0: Welcome welcome you're listening to Shakisha and the white boy I am your main man Ryan Binger, bringing the creamy shade of mayonnaise to the program and I am joined here as I always am by my badass boss babe of a co-host she is the one and only Shakisha Williams Shakisha good to see you again.
1: How goes it today?
0: It's going okay. It's going okay. You know, I noticed on the uh, intro there, so I did something a little different in the past. I called you a badass boss bitch, which is a very well-known expression, I think, you know, in vogue right now, let's say. Today, I went with badass boss babe. How did you feel about that? Uh,
1: I didn't really notice. the difference. You didn't?
0: Interesting. Okay, so uh, I'll tell you why I decided to go in that direction. So I've been having some internal monologues with myself about the use of the word bitch and how Mm -hmm. there is sort of some conversation going on now that like cisgendered men, men like me, should probably remove that word from their vocabulary. And Mm -hmm. I'm kind of conflicted on it actually, because I, uh, you know, I can understand why uh, people think that someone like me shouldn't be saying bitch. Um, Mm -hmm. But I actually really like the word. And so I'm like sort of torn, you know, it's, it's it's got a lot of power. I feel like, and I feel like I don't ever use it, at least recently. Am I am I as an adult? I don't use it as, as like a, derog- a derogatory term, but
1: sure, sure. So, I don't
0: know. What do you, What do you think? Like, do you do you feel like I'm on the right path, or am I overthinking this bitch thing too much?
1: Um, in a '90s classic, "Unity" by Queen Latifah, she says, and I quote. I don't be getting mad when we playing is cool. But don't you be calling me out my name. <laughs> There's more to that, but I'll leave it right there. Um I've never like if I get a bitch what you doing or but it's like shut the fuck up bitch then yeah, we right. have a problem. We definitely need to call Houston cuz we have a problem. Um that's that's interesting i respect anyone um just like with the n-word i respect Mm -hmm. um the stance and where people stand on it just like with vaccines i respect people's stances on it um but for me you know it's something like me and the homies play with and it's fine in our circle like if we're sitting at a table and you walk up to the circle and you say something out of pocket then you're gonna have a problem that so day.
0: Would you rather be referred to as a badass boss bitch or a badass boss babe? Or is there a third option that I haven't considered yet? You know, I'm, I'm my position is evolving. I'm in the early stages of review here. So,
1: yes. Shout it's out nice. to the bosses at any of the places I go to eat. Wendy's, Burger King. Shout out to the bosses at Amazon Prime. Shout out to the bosses at. UPS shout out to the bosses who work for the city who work for uh for for us for us shout out to the bosses the managers the supervisors I myself want to be recognized as a dope ass leader
0: no I mean you're a boss either way it's boss babe or it's really like what type of boss are you
1: that's what just call me a dope ass leader okay a -A DAL call me a A -A -A DAL all
0: right a d-a-l a doll. call
1: me a doll
0: a doll like uh <laughs> like i'm from long island and i'm calling you a doll
1: you're such a doll, oh, you're such yeah. a,
0: doll. <laughs> a doll all right i'm gonna yeah. take a note of that and i will mix doll into the intro at some point that indeed, is a promise indeed, to you indeed. my friend indeed so I Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what, what to feel about it. So I'm I'm fielding opinions right now. And, uh, you know, maybe I'll just... Let me start, know the you know.
1: others that you hear. Let me know.
0: I will. I mean, and maybe it'll be something that we cover deeper on the show. But I thought, you know... Maybe I mean, we should
1: add that to one of the stories this week. Like, in IG stories. See what people think.
0: Okay. All right. There's a thought. I love it. So, folks, we've got a great show lined up for you today. Writer-turned-filmmaker Sean Mathis will be joining us later on Art of the Grind. We discuss how he decided to make that transition from books to film, why he considers his career in filmmaking a pursuit for personal freedom, and he also tells us a really hilarious story about Scarface. But before we get to that, you know what time it is. What? What the fuck? What
2: the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck, Richard?
0: What the fuck? WTF, we are back here again. Shakisha. we're talking about R. Kelly today. So something uh, interesting happened. I'm sure you've been following the R. R. Kelly trial uh, going on right here in Brooklyn, in fact, not far from where I am. The trial has now moved to deliberation. The jury has been uh, quarantined and they're going to make their decision. But earlier this week, R. Kelly's defense lawyer gave his closing argument in the trial and BuzzFeed reports that during the trial or during his closing argument, the lawyer alleged that R. Kelly is akin to Martin Luther King Jr. and Hugh Hefner. Uh, He said, uh, you know, he, so his quote basically was older men, somewhat younger men, some people just like it that way. Uh, And he said, he described R. Kelly's lifestyle of that as a playboy and a sex symbol. And this is a quote, Hugh Hefner, that was his life, not a crime. I, I don't, so the article from Buzzfeed actually said that the mention of, MLK Jr. There was a. It's not clear what he was invoking when when he mentioned his name, and that is not part of the quote in the story. But he did mention Martin Luther King Jr. and Hugh Hefner in his closing arguments. Shkisha, do you do you find that that argument holds water? What do you think?
1: Okay, so I agreed to this as a topic of discussion. And now my stomach hurts a little bit now that I think about me hearing what was said. I just thought I was like, "Ooh, nice, nice topic. of Oh, God. Uh. OK, um, what I what I will say is that. In the medium that you and I are in, I'll start here in the medium that you and I are in. It is a very important one had it not been for the I Survived R. Kelly series, Mm -hmm. I really truly believe we wouldn't be here. So shout out to filmmakers, journalists, uh, people who care about other people, people who for years have been ringing the R. Kelly is a devil, is insidious, is a pedophile for for decades, Mm -hmm. unrelentingly. So shout outs to our medium for what we do um, and how we we can make change happen. So I'll start with the positives, <laughs> that, that our medium did something to make this happen. What, I w- what I'll say about the attorney, um, I was thinking about the Law and Laws Theater, um, and, and I was watching like a 2020-something late last night
0: mm-hmm.
1: and thinking about how law is about theater. Um, At the end of the day, I'm sure he had to go home and take a shower. I'm hoping he felt bad about comparing him to MLK. Hugh Hefner, I I'm always playing devil's ass. I could see where he was going with that, trying to say, you know, Hugh Hefner always surrounded himself with younger women. Yeah. But the case that is in court now is not about women who willingly knew he had a herpes and received it from him. It's not Mm -hmm. from women who weren't held against their will over years at a time. It wasn't for women who, you know, told him what their age was and he didn't go like, get away from me, see me when you're 18. No, it was these young girls who now are women and telling their story. So no, he was a little short-sighted on it, but again, law is theater. So he had to, you made me a pundit, damn it, with this. You made me a pundit. So I had to see both sides because all I want to say is if there was my daughter, he would have been under the ground. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Um. I, and he has had so much money and so much fame. He needed to seek help a long time ago to fix whatever is broken on the inside of him. That's neither here nor there. He's hurt a lot of women. He's hurt a lot of families. And I, I'm hoping and praying that this time justice will be served no matter what his lawyer said in closing
0: yeah I uh
1: yeah
0: I, I feel like it's um a little bit of a like a desperation heave by the defense attorney uh because the evidence has been pretty strong against R Kelly and uh you know it, at least in the court of public opinion like you said people have been sounding this alarm for decades now you know Dave Chappelle did Bits about R. Kelly back in 2002 or whatever that was when the Chappelle Show was on. You know, it's been that was 20 years ago. So it's been a long time that people have been talking about these things that have happened. Um, The (laughs) to evoke Hugh Hefner. Okay, I can see what you're saying about it being. You know, Mm -hmm. I can sort of see where you're going with that, but I don't know that Hugh Hefner ever had these accusations. Like this against him. This so there is a the issue of consent, of course. That that is a big difference: consenting women versus women who say that they were imprisoned, uh, or who were in prison. I shouldn't say that. Say that they were who who were in fact uh, held against their will. Um, the Martin Luther King thing. Uh, I'm actually afraid to even speculate where he could where he could be going with that because I do have the, I thought, but,
1: the only thing I can think of is him feeling what's the word um, persecuted.
0: I, I think there's a more sinister direction, actually. Um,
1: Uh-oh.
0: Yeah, well, you know, so <laughs> I didn't want to talk about this, but I'm no, gonna no, no, know going to say
1: it in
0: case people don't know what I'm referring to, you know, there is uh, a lot of character assassination that occurs or is, that, that is attempted with Martin Luther King Jr. because, uh, you know, he is alleged to have been somewhat... Uh, Let's say he had a freaky lifestyle in the bedroom, uh, you know, away from his work in, in activism. And that is something that has occurred throughout where people will bring up, well, like, you know, well, he did this, all this stuff with women and he was an adulterer and all these things as if, and, and often I and I didn't even want to mention it because it is so clearly the, the yes. work of people who are trying to yes. discredit all of the activism that he did and, and all of the great work that he did by saying, you know, by like... Uh, flattening him into, well, if he did these things, he can't be good at all. You know, it's always that type of thing. So I didn't want to mention that, but I I do feel that that could be a direction where the attorney was going. It's like, well, R. Kelly or, you know, excuse me, Martin Luther King was kind of a freak in the bedroom and we still look at him as this great inspirational figure. Why not R. Kelly, which is, I don't know if that's what the lawyer was trying to say, but that's what I take from it and that is pretty low pretty low i'll say uh definitely worthy of taking a shower when when the day's over
1: you know but- it's funny uh and uh, to think of how long this has been going on and how many people had to be a part of it how many people had to hide it how many people were either in on like in on it um knowingly or thought they knew mm-hmm. um, and didn't come forward for as many years as they did, including everything that has come out about Aaliyah, that one person could do so much damage to so many lives. Um, I'm hoping that the women who who are victims of this violence and um, mental and physical distress will be able to get the help that they need to have better lives going forward. And I hope that he gets the justice that he he deserves, you know, in spite of his lawyer's, you know, payday and try. So he tried it. it. He definitely tried it. But moving, moving the freak on. What? What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? What
0: the fuck? What the fuck? WTF, Robert Kelly.
1: Robert's first appearance.
0: Really, it's his lawyer's appearance. But I mean, the whole situation, as you said, is just, uh, you know, thoughts out to the victims, and hopefully they do get the help that they need. And let's move into a little bit of a more positive direction today. Um, Absolutely, we, we have a very special guest on the show, Mr. Sean Mathis, hey. he joins us. We're really looking forward to it because he has such an interesting story, You know, going from um, being a, a guy who writes novels, hustled and, and was successful in doing that, and then sort of on a whim, it felt like, and, and we'll, he tells us the story getting into filmmaking and now crushing it there. I I really loved talking to him. Uh, He was, he's your friend, Shakisha, you know, so I'll I'll leave it to you, go ahead and cue it
1: up. Um, I've known Sean since 2011. Um, He's a writer, filmmaker. Um, He's done a ton of work in this industry. He's based out of Atlanta. He's smart, he is funny. He has an eye for this industry like no other. I was proud to have him work with me on Curry Girls Rock and wait for the phone call for me to be on his project. That's for you, Sean, because I know you listening. <laughs> but yeah, like, no, he's like the dopest individual. And yeah, let's get into it. Sean yeah, Matthews, Sean! So and I tell you, this guy never stops. He never like he fucking never stops. Like he never quits. He's always doing his thing. He's always into something new. He's even through uh, 2020 during the pandemic. He was working constantly. I, I mean, there's nothing else to say. Sean Mathis is in yes. the motherfucking house.
0: Welcome to the show, Sean Mathis.
2: Thank you. Thank to- you both for having me. This is this is pretty dope.
0: To so your point, Shikishi about him never stopping uh, working, never you know, always on the grind. He's doing the interview right now. He's in a he's in his car. You know the the man, not driving, of course, not driving. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, not driving. You know, he's <laughs> he's coming to you live from the car. So he's hey, always going live on the go. Yes. Well, welcome to the show, man. It's great to have you here.
2: Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me. I'm I'm excited to be here.
0: So all
1: right, so oh, well, go ahead, Ryan. Go oh, right. I was going to say, you, ahead, you know, please. Sean,
0: you're a writer, you're a producer, you're a director, um, huh? but you actually started out as a novelist I was reading in your bio, which I found really interesting. Um, How did you you go from sort of working on novels, you know, doing that and getting into film? Was that an intentional choice or something that just kind of happened? No,
2: no, it wasn't intentional at all. It was the universe, man. Um, I was in Philly. I was working on my third book.
0: Philly, what's up? A lot
2: of times, oh yeah, oh yeah. (laughs) I love Philly. South Philly. Yeah, that's right, man. I love it. So, uh, So yeah, I was working on my third book. And a lot of times, like if I write and I'm really in the groove, I kind of like space out and blackout. You right? Well, I'm in that groove. So when I would come, the first time it happened, I didn't know that it was happening. So I, I came to, and it was like in like a broken script format. I had never written a script before. I had seen them, but I was like, "What the fuck is this? Like, wh- like what happened?" Right. So I, you know, I spend all the time fixing it back to novel form. I get in the groove again, and I come to it's a script form again. I'm like, okay. Something's going on. So I figured the universe was telling me to write films. And I never forget the day I made the decision. I was I was on the bus. I was, you know, riding the bus to work. And I was listening to Drake's successful in my head. Mm-hmm. And I started seeing all of the imagery to the book that I was writing in my head as a movie, as like scenes and cuts. And I saw angles. And even before I, you know, I knew I wanted to direct, I saw it all in my head. And it took me forever to finish the book. To seem like every time I write, it'll be in a script form. So I said, okay, I'm gonna finish this goddamn book. I'm gonna move to Atlanta I, and I'm gonna do films. And seven years later, I never wrote the film. I never wrote the book into a film. <laughs>
0: but <laughs> you never had time.
2: a
1: chance. You haven't had the time.
2: Like, nah, was like, so, but, but, but that's what it was. It was like super organic, man. It was just listening to, you know, listening to the universe. You know what I'm saying? Some people might say it's God or, you know, whatever you believe, but it's, a, it's, a, it's an outside force that drew me there mm-hmm. and I chose to listen to it.
1: At 100%, like following that inkling, did you have any fear behind it? Were there any stumbles no. with
2: it? Yeah. I, I, I had no fear and I got to give that to two people. 50 cent and robert green hmm. around that time a book had just came out by 50 cent and robert green called the 50th law
0: mm-hmm.
2: right and i'm reading that book and 50 had said something in that book that i'm paraphrasing but i never forget it he said as long as you depend on another man or company for your income you will never be free hmm. Right. And I was like, well, shit, if I get fired tomorrow, I'm fucked. Right. Mm -hmm. So it was like, so after like reading that and it hit me. Yeah. Me moving to Atlanta was like, it was like no fear. Cause now it's all on me. And if I, you know, I was stupid successful in my company. I was the youngest store manager at 20 years old. Right. I was running two stores in Philly and I was a district manager and training at 24. Right. So I was like, if I can go hard for these motherfuckers, I can go hard for me. So <laughs> yeah. for me, for me, there was no fear. My fear was losing a job and being broke or having to depend on someone else for my survival. And I was like, nah, fuck that, never.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really interesting way to frame it because I think what a lot of people who have a creative inkling struggle with is, is just that, that fear of like letting go of the security blanket of like, you know, having a job. You know, it, I think a lot of people think about it the opposite way it's like oh i'm secure i've got this like you know support beneath me but um i think but the way that really you said not. Is, exactly and, and i think that like it's interesting that you sort of draw that truth that like you know you're dependent then uh i think is the best way to put it on another person mm-hmm. and like
1: yeah and i've seen you over the years man like i met sean it was a class of sorts um like a like a film lab slash yeah. producer lab uh, And even back then, man, you were like on top of it, self-assured, cocky, which got on my fucking nerves. You drove me fucking crazy. Like he would come in with with like a bonnet, like on a Saturday. He never wore like sunglasses, but he give you that sunglasses, Starbucks. (laughs) (laughs) And then sit in the back of the class to just, you know, observe and sit. And I was like, he is so fucking cocky. But what's crazy is, I can say the same shit about Ryan. His oh soapbox, Ryan always has an opinion, and that shit drove me crazy. I'm like, dude, like man, can you shut up? Like, Nobody want to hear me. those, it. Are,
2: but those i people wait, you y'all with. are my
1: besties. Like, y'all right, are my I crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now we're all on a Zoom call together. Exactly. We're doing a podcast together we're a podcast now. Podcast. So we're right. forever linked. Like, on the internet, you're, you're never going to be extracted from us now. Like right, that's it. Like right. once it's online, it's forever. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we had the last laugh, I think is the point. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> we exactly.
1: I mean, I guess, I guess for me though, I always was a little bit um, like I, I, when I did it, I was all in, but it took time for me to get to the place of being all in. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I did a lot of plan B shit. I did a lot of plan B shit as opposed to me just jumping in on plan A as 100% hard. I always was like, okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to work this job. And then, you know, at nights and weekends, I'll do the other thing. And it took me years to say, fuck that. Like it took a long, long time to get to a place where I'm like, I could, I could, I could do this. And I still struggle a bit. Like it's not always a 100% thing. Um, and I think once I I finally get over that one hurdle, I'll, it'll be ridiculous. But I've had some amazing things happen and a lot of them happen with Sean. Like Sean came up to New York and did Curvy Girls with me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I it, with, with this long career, like I don't wanna belabor our friendship. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, like I don't wanna be like uh, what is it like a Johnny Carson? Like, yeah, we used to hang out in in Las Vegas together. No, I don't want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I want to talk about you. I want to talk about you. Like, in your career, you've had some, like, you've worked with some really dope names in the business. And you've had some really cool and interesting um, movies that you worked on. What is, like, your favorite memory from these past few years?
2: My favorite memory for the past few years was 2018. What's this year, 2021? 2019, um, I worked on a on a film called Prodigal, now streaming on BET Plus, and I was the first assistant director and I got moved up to like unofficial director, but um, my best, my favorite memory of, was on set was, I think we were like two days out from finishing, but shooting at this weird ass house that got like farm animals like in the front yard and everywhere, you know, it was weird, right? We're upstairs, we're shooting this scene. It's like Clifton Powell, Scarface. It's this action scene, and it's wow. crying and his guns and stuff, right? And then uh, Scarface says, Hey, Sean, I got to run. I got to go to the bathroom. All right, cool. Go downstairs. We'll reset or whatever. Uh, five minutes later, Scarface comes back upstairs. He taps me on the shoulder. He says, Sean, I said, What's up? And he goes, There's a goat in <laughs> the <tongue."> tub. <laughs> I'm thinking that's like Houston code for some shit. Yeah, I don't know. Like, like that's
0: definitely code,
2: yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, what do you mean It's a goat in the tub? He said, Sean, he says, it's a goat in the motherfucking tub. I said, oh, I said, okay. He said, but the tub is by the toilet. And I'm kind of long, so I don't want the goat to bite <laughs> my shit off. Oh man, strike <laughs> me the fuck off. Crack me the fuck up. Oh that was, God. like, my best... That's, like, my best memory. It's, like, I'm sitting here Jesus. with Scarface, the legendary yeah. Scarface. First of all... And he's, like, the, there's a goat is in the tub. the main
1: tub. dudes from Ghetto Boys. Like, that's, like, my favorite group of all time. Yeah. Like, oh, my yeah. God. You
2: know, like, like, I'm sitting here with this legend talking about there's a goat in the tub and he can't take a piss. <laughs> Literally. Like, you know? like So what did you tell that,
0: him? I was, like...
2: I said... No, I just say stand back from the tub and aim right. Like, like, I'm like what do you want me to do? Like, aim, baby, aim. I don't. I'm like, I don't direct animals. Like, what do you want me to do? I'm like, bro, you better, you better stand back and aim. Like,
0: yeah, aim, like you got to just position yourself a little bit. You know, use the but rest yeah, of your body to like, block.
2: Right, oh but God. it was like in my mind, like in what world that I think I would be here right now, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. Like, like I'm I'm yelling, literally yelling at Clifton Powell in one scene. And I'm trying to talk Scarface into taking a piss. In the next like minute, it's like like only in our business can we do shit like that, right? It's like it's, it's crazy, yeah.
0: but um, uh, but yeah, that's been my favorite memory so far. I was curious that I wanted to ask you, like, you know, you start out as a novelist, and obviously that's a different thing than working in film, doing what you do now. But do you feel like are there any lessons that you were sort of able to to, to take from that and you know continue to apply to what you're doing now?
2: Yeah, like the the biggest lesson I learned when I was writing novels is like, I had to get out there and sell the goddamn book, right? I um. I was accepted uh, book deals from Penguin and Ingram. But when you read the fine print and when they break down the money and rights and stuff like that, it looked like a bad record deal. You know what I'm saying? And, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've been given those before, right? So I was able to, um, you know, read contracts and, you know, know what this stuff means. So when it came to, right, you know, getting a book, it's like, okay, there's nothing, there's no different than get out there and selling a CD, right? So it was the hustle that I took from, you know, writing books to doing films. You know, um, when I was writing, I was at a film festival. You know, every weekend. You know, what I'm saying I was leaving, I was going out, I was on the road, I was selling books, I was doing, you know, speaking at um, book clubs. You know, I made 100k off my first book independently, right? Mm-hmm. So I just applied that same hustle to films. That's the that's that's yeah. the biggest thing that I've you know that I was able to take with me and apply to um film world.
0: The hustle's always the same.
1: And that is like the thing that I'm always talking about with people. Um, they think there's some magic formula. They think that there is, you know, like if only I could talk to Issa Rae for like 10 minutes. And Not what I try and, and I, I, I to explain to people that, you know, like for example, if you and I got $20 million, right? We have projects that we've always, like our passion projects that we've always wanted to do, the things that we want to see come to life. And, you know, you might talk to a group, you might, you know, spend your time at different um, events, having conversations or sit on panels, but at the end of the day, you have, a, I don't even call it an agenda, but you have stuff that you want to do as a creative and yeah. now you have the opportunity, like you can't get mad at Isa or Lena or Regina or Ava because what they did is they capitalized their success and they begin to do the things that they always wanted to do. The one, You know, right. working with someone else and letting their project, whatever it is, it's all about you know, the hustle and the grind. So stop worrying about looking up and look left to right because you never know who out of your peer group has that kind of fortitude and that kind of focus and drive that's Mm going to get them to the next level. So John is definitely one to watch you all. Like he's definitely one to watch. When I tell you um, of my friend group, he was the first one to get his stuff on Amazon Prime you know, and he walked me through that process and what it looked like. And he talked to me about going to AFM, which, which is the American film market and what mm. that whole process is like. So like sharing that, I'm, and I'm a doer, so I, I, I that's a hundred million dollars for me as opposed to you, you know, saying <laughs> here, Shakisha, here, I want you to, like, you don't have to, like people who, who win, you never have to lift them up. You give them the formula and you're like, bet yep. on it. Exactly. So, Yeah. So that's, that's for me is was has been the most important aspect of of a lot of my relationships. I just recently applied for a scholarship for a a class that I really want to take. And one of the questions that was asked of me was who inspires you? And I had to really sit on it for a minute because I couldn't think of anyone, like everybody who I'm rocking with, came to my mind and that's who I wrote of inspiration, like Google these, Google these fools. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you need to know, <laughs> you need to know and recognize that they got it going on. So yeah. yeah. And 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 the other part is that we all encourage one another.
2: Yes, that's big.
1: It's not that's like, big. and we don't do it on some like, on the, for the gram, we literally go into DMs like, yo, bruh. Love you. I see yeah. you. Like, we do that a lot. So that's the okay. other part yeah. of growing. You choked, yeah. your,
2: you, choked, you choked your boy up the other day. You know, I told you, like, it was funny. I was stressing out. And I opened up my DMs and Keisha had some words. I'm like, he does it every time. <laughs> she just grows. She knows your boy need the words. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, me, like, like I, don't, I don't get that from anyone but Keisha. Me and Keisha yeah. can go weeks without talking. But she will hit me at the right. Time and it'd be like, yo. Mm-hmm. That's, oh how, I God, know, yeah. that's and, how I know yeah That's how I know where it's That's how I know you know I'm supposed to have her in my life. Yeah, and it just be right on time. Yeah, your boy a little choked out. You know,
0: it's totally <laughs> a skill that it's like a sixth sense that she has. I mean, in yeah, fact, like the the whole reason this podcast, life. yeah, the whole reason the podcast happened was because of an instance like that where like Shakisha came and hit me right at a time where I we we, we had been talking about the idea and like. I was riding into work on the subway and like thinking about it again. And literally that morning, like Shakisha hit me like, hey, you know, I was thinking about the podcast we talked about and like literally she's like, she has that like sixth sense of like knowing when to sort of just like hit you with that thing when you need it to mm-hmm. sort of, to you know, make the domino fall. And then it's like from there yeah. it just goes, you know?
1: You know what someone Definitely. said to me last night before they jumped off, off of the room I was in? They said, you are, they called me a film doula. But I always call myself a spiritual midwife because I've always found that this kind of thing happens. People say, you know what, you said something and it was crazy, and I really appreciate that because now that's what I've I've been given. But I want to ask, and this is for you too, Ryan. I'm gonna let Sean start. Mm-hmm. What is the one thing for this next? Like, I'm gonna just say, you know, between twenty and twenty-three, twenty-one, twenty-three. What is that one thing that if it happened? you're like going to Ibiza with the, with the bottles, with the bottle rockets and the, and, and the dancing girls. And you know, like I made it, what is the one thing you would want to happen in the next like three years that you know, like, Oh shit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> for,
2: ahead, me, Beth, be a, for me, it'll be a first look deal with a major, with a major studio or mm. network. That's it. Like that's like, I get a first look deal. It's going down.
0: That's, I mean, that's a great one. Right. I, a trip to Ibiza immediately, I think, after that. Immediately. Idea. Like...
2: Immediately. <laughs> I'm taking all my friends. I'm Sign the papers.
0: Go to the airport.
2: It's like, like soon as <laughs> the, the check clear, we out. I'm like, hey, 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 Keish. <laughs> Tamika. Let it go, you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> Fair enough. and we're gonna party and plan out the first five projects in the club yelling over the music. Watch, wow. because that's how we are. Like we gonna party we gonna work. Yeah, too. you're gonna work too. Right.
0: I mean, we, we started the show talking about how you always grind, even in the club, even working in on the scripts.
2: Club, going down, yes.
0: I got to, you know, yeah. this over the music. Let me tell you about this pitch I got. Like, immediate.
2: Yeah, you know, <laughs> I love it. Like, All right, so we're going to do this. When we get back to the States, it's going to be this project first, and then it's, like, that's how that's how the whole thing going to go, for real.
1: Oh, my yeah. God. All right, Ryan, what about one. you? That's
0: a tough one to follow. I think for me, it would be, uh, I think, getting to the point that we were talking about before, where, like, I'm just sort of relying on myself to, or, like, only doing things for work that I'm passionate about because I'm still at that point where you have like the day job feel the thing that you're not totally in love with so I think for me getting to that point would be huge like I'm only getting paid to do stuff that I actually enjoy and you know yeah. want to do you know when you can get to that point like what more can you ask for really so
1: I think for me it's sort of like what Sean said but adding to that either in the middle of building or having almost completed. Now I'm talking between now and 23, almost completed my full-on Harlem Fusion Studio as a as a real studio, like yes. as a mm. with, with a lot and different you know different studios for different things that would that's like I've been looking at um, Detroit and Oakland now for probably the past decade. But if I'm gonna Detroit, I gotta hurry up because they trying, yeah, they're trying it right now.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, yeah, but yeah, I've been like looking. So that for me would be the oh my gosh, because I feel like ownership is so important. Um, Once Tyler Perry opened the doors to his second studio, and by the way, I was so pissed because I was like, damn it, Tyler, it's like, what the fuck? Are you, you got the second one already? Can, I, can a bitch get one before you open up a second? <laughs> God damn. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that 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 is not still, you know, the path for me. I'm a writer, but I always want other people to win, too. Like, I want to write, but I also want other writers to come in and bring their stuff and even have, like, programs where, you know, once a year we have, like, a team of writers from, like, the hood come in and do stuff that they probably couldn't afford any other way. So that's how I know I That's it me at the Maldives. That's me going to the Maldives. Like, right. Man. When, when I get back, the, the, the studio is gone, right? We 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 good, right? Okay. I'll see y'all in a minute. All right. I
0: like it. I like it. <laughs> yeah, Maldives would be nice too. I'll take either one. I
1: mean right, right, let exactly. me know. Let me
0: know. Right. Sean, so much. Thank you so much for coming on. A few of our guests for this season, we've asked this question now. And I like it sort of as a way to way to close the conversation because I think it's kind of as creatives, it's what we're all striving for, right? So I want to ask you Sean, what do you think it means to make meaningful art? in 2021 what does a meaningful art look like for you for me
2: meaningful art is this art that art that moves me you know that's meaningful the stuff that the stuff that's that stands the test of time is a stuff that spoke to either a generation mm-hmm. or a community right mm-hmm. and if you look at love jones right i don't think the writer or the director's goal was to make something meaningful, is make something dope. Mm-hmm. But the intention there was to talk was to was to provide a lens with, you know, from our community's view. Mm-hmm. You know, and because it resonates, that's meaningful, right? So for me in 2021, it's like I have to provide that same lens from my community's view. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, and it's like, well, what lens is that? Cause I come from the hood, mm-hmm. right? And now I live a life that's nowhere near the hood, right? Yeah. So what's that, so I had to decide, like, what's that lens that I want to show my art through?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, I chose I chose the latter. I chose, you know, I chose the, I consider myself middle class, I guess, even though I don't qualify for a stimulus. Um, I chose, you know, you know, black man educated or black person educated middle class in America, what does that lens look like? Yeah. What what is important to us? What are our fears? You know, how do we see ourselves? Um, and try to be that change that we've been asking for. Mm-hmm. So I did I, I did a film called Colorblind last year. And it's about a cop that kills a black kid, right? But the twist was, that was, you know, I'm giving away for those that haven't seen it, but the twist was that kid was that white cop's stepson. Mm. And because he had a racist partner, he let his comments not even recognize his own son yeah. at night, right? Mm. And it's like, with a story like that, if, I, if I'm trying to be the change that I want to see, is I want people to see that we are all... Closer to each other than we think we are.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: and that was the basis of that film. Not to show more trauma of of you know of a black man getting killed by police. No, look at that lens. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I have white friends, in you know, or non black friends in Connecticut that are cops. Mm-hmm. What if that was my kid? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm so like 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 I make so I'm I'm looking at that. You know, I'm looking at making making art like that. I have another another um another film that's coming out this summer called Touchscreen, right? We're we're big on technology, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm on Instagram all the, you know all the time whatever, but I see you know all these challenges and all the distractions mm-hmm. that African Americans just like just run to and in my mind, I'm like, technology for us, since we're not where we are as a people, we're not where we are socially, um, financially, why the fuck are we are using technology for fun and not for, you know, the betterment of us? So I wanted to make a film to show the dangers of technology, right? On some Black Mirror type-ish. So those are like, so like, to a long story short, that's what making meaningful content in 2021 means to me is, yeah. is, is is telling our stories and showing us from a specific lens, you yeah. know?
0: I think that, Sorry, that was, a, was a long no, answer. No, no, it was a great answer though. And I was gonna <laughs> say uh, what you were saying about wanting to sort of like, you know, you you come from the hood, but sort of focusing more on where you are now, I thought was a really interesting point because for me, and we, we talked about this on the show before, Shakisha, but I'm from, you know, uh, white suburbia. So um, growing up, you know, the media that I was exposed to that I saw, uh, black men were so closely associated with the hood that it's like, I almost want to see stuff like what you're talking about more because it helps sort of broaden my view of, of a culture that I didn't. Absolutely. Before. Now you can say like, okay, now I can see in the media examples of there are su- suburban Black men. Of course there, I mean, you know, it's it seems silly to say out loud, but it's like, you don't, we haven't really gotten that in the media until maybe the last 10 years or so, you know, it was always Black mm-hmm. man in the hood before that. So I think it's a really interesting, way to sort of shift the perspective of of people outside of the community how they sort of see black men and, or you know black people in america
1: it's insane yeah. because when you think about indies right and people always talk about like hollywood hollywood is more now a concept that it is hollywood it you know like the big studio system it's mm-hmm. changed quite a bit um and uh, you know debate has been you know what what do we have to do to get to hollywood and i'm just like just make your stuff like make your yeah stuff. Make like, yourself. look what like, you want to see.
0: Yeah, it sounds it, – and I feel like people go, like, well, yeah, but it's not that easy. And you're like, no, but that's, like, really it. No, like, just but do it's it.
2: really it. But the, the thing – like people say that it's not easy. That's because they want to fly before they crawl. Yeah. Not run and Great jump. Point. They want to fly before they crawl. Keisha, you know, and I, I, I can speak because, like, you know, we started out almost together. Keisha and I crawled. We crawled first, and we were happy crawling, right? <laughs> you know, so when we started, like, standing up and walking, and, and run, we there was a process, mm-hmm. but we didn't rush that process. We actually enjoyed that process. I, like, Keisha flew me to New York. I slept on her sofa, with my mm-hmm. CPAP machine hooked up to my nose, and I was happy, yeah. I'm shooting in New York. My friend's doing this project. She called me. That's, that's that process. So for <laughs> so people say that it's not that easy, it's because they want to fly first. It's like, nah, yeah, that's, totally that's fair, not man. how that works. You have to yeah. go through the process and enjoy every minute of that process because mm. those are the stuff that you remember. Yeah, That's the stuff that builds you. You know, Keisha and I didn't see eye to eye the whole time. But we 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 worked through that shit, right? She had a vision. I had to respect that vision. You know, um, there was some stuff that I would did differently, but we, you know, we that's part of the process of working with other people, working together. She entrusted me in a, you know, in a certain role, right? So Mm -hmm. she took my advice in that role. But when I stepped out, like, nah, like you know, and that's okay. That's all part of the process. If people think because someone disagrees with you, they're a hater or you can't work with them. No, this shit is not hard. We make it hard, just mm. crawl and enjoy that process, man. For real, ah, wow. yeah. That's I mean, right great.
1: Somebody who's not
0: <laughs> so I'm saying Sean Mathis, what do you you think? Mean. go ahead, Keisha.
1: Reverend, Reverend Mathis. You mean
0: Reverend exactly right. I Mathis? Mean, exactly right, exactly right.
2: I have been called black Jesus a time or two, you know. You know. Oh, I
1: see, I see, I, I see it. So I see, closer yeah, to the know, actual you Jesus know. then. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> Sean Mattis, it's been enlightening. It's been inspiring. Thank you so much for coming on, taking the time. Uh, you know, from your car, you're always working, you're always on the go. It's uh, symbolic, I feel like, of, you know, just the effort that you put into it, but it's been awesome talking. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, catch this, I appreciate catch, y'all. catch this man, catch this man. He has a writing class. Whenever you see him on Instagram, he is filmmaker Sean Mathis. Join the writers group because it is profoundly life-changing, profoundly growing for writers and people interested in the film industry. It's all levels. Don't feel it, don't mm. feel like, no, I can't. No, it's, a, it's amazing, it's an amazing experience.
0: That's all for another episode of SATWB. Thank you so, so much to you, dear listener, for spending some time with us. And thank you so much to Sean Mathis for being on the show. That was an awesome conversation. Shakisha, anything you'd like to share before we send the fine listener on their way?
1: Yeah, like it's always dope to to be in your presence, always dope to work with you. I am very Uh, blessed to have you as a partner on SATWB because it could have been any white boy, but it was you.
0: Oh, any white boy, that's right. <laughs> this is a, This has been such a like, the, the second half of this episode has been so much just like sharing love and positivity. We did that with Sean, we're doing it now. And you know what? I feel blessed to have you as a partner. How about that, to, to ride your coattails as it were. And that's my plan. I saw you from afar and I was like, she's going to be a star and I'm going to be there hanging on. Getting those checks, baby.
1: And we're gonna <laughs> do this, bro. We're gonna do this. But thanks <laughs> to our listeners who keep us motivated. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Shout and, out uh, to
0: you all. Always love to the listeners. Always love. A special yeah. shout out to our guy Berberock, the man who produced our theme song. You can find more of his music at brbrck.com. He's gonna be on an upcoming episode. We interviewed him as well. And and he's actually the gonna be making uh he's going to be the first guest to appear twice. So that's gonna be awesome. A quick reminder that if you have a question or a topic you'd like us to address on the show, please don't hesitate to send it our way at whiteboy at gmail.com. Or you can even send us a DM or on our socials, which of course are Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We're on YouTube, you can see this episode as well as all of our episodes right there. And please don't forget to like and subscribe if you can, wherever you're listening. It really helps the show and we would appreciate it. And I think with that, We can say stay sane and be well, folks. Until next time.